Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kier Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Oh, I have a lot of great reasons to go there. Great deals and great product lines. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, great pre-owned inventory. Fabulous sales staff, great deals, a great service department, all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Our play-by-play call of the day. What would the Stanley Cup playoffs be without Dave Michigan? Keeps it in for Kutrov, right circle shot blocked. Rebound Sergachev, right circle Kutrov shoots blocked. Point high slot. Shoot! Score! 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 Braden Point! Braden Point! Braden Point! The Lightning win it! They win it in the fifth overtime! Three to two! And they lead the series 1 0. Former Hershey Bears play-by-play voice, the voice now of the Tampa Bay Lightning, Dave Michigan. I was cracked up when Michigan was paired up with Phil Esposito for years on the Tampa Bay broadcast. He's, yeah, yeah, right? And then Esposito, like, now here's what happened. (laughs) But we'll get to Dave refs and listen to this one. Big Ten TV contract, by the way, is up. In 22-23, one official from a Big Ten school told Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports that Nebraska would be welcomed back with open arms. They were at, well, what about the fact that they left the conference for the Big Ten in 2011? He says, who cares? <laughs> Big 12, by the way, released its schedule. All right. To that, I, I just I want to say what a brilliant job Dave Refson and those guys did yesterday. Dave, hope you and yours are safe and sound. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Steve. Nice to say good to be with you. I wish we were under different yeah. circumstances. I, I think we all do. But, uh, but yeah, great to be with you. Uh, what was your initial reaction when you heard that that ended up being the final vote? Well... Um, I don't think I was particularly surprised. I guess uh, people I had talked to kind of on background over the weekend had let me know that this was certainly a very real possibility, uh, that it wasn't a done deal by any stretch, but but that it absolutely could happen if things didn't turn around and if there wasn't better information kind of than, than people inside the league were hearing. So I don't think I was shocked, but I guess I was just – you're still kind of numb over it, right? Like it just, you know, my love of history. Yeah. Big Ten football started in 1896. It's gone through two world wars. It's gone through another pandemic. It's gone through all kinds, you know, the Great Depression, all of these things that have shook our country. But this has just been the, the one thing that we've been able, unable to get past. And, and so here we are. Yeah, and that that's exactly where we are. 
I, you know, I know you had to ask the question a couple of times, but some people have heard about Nebraska wants to go rogue or Iowa wants to go rogue. How important is it for everybody just to stick together and just stick to the plan? Well, you know, again, I, I don't really know all of the legalities of that. I, I think one of the great things about the Big Ten through the years has been that it is kind of an all-for-one and one-for-all, and that different schools bring different things to the league, and that there's still an understanding that everyone kind of shares alike, whether it's financially, whether it's, you know, kind of in um, aligning with one another on, on issues, on rules, on all of those kinds of things. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I think based on the history of the league and based on kind of the way that it's always presented itself, it, it is important to all kind of be on board. And, and I think you can understand the disappointment. I feel terrible for everybody involved. You know, as you know, this is a time of year where Jerry and Howard and I are usually on our bus tour yep. and you see people grinding away. And, and I always say to people, I feel for the teams that, that don't have successful years, right, that, that go 0-12 because, man, those guys grind in camp just like everyone else. That's and right. I, we see it firsthand. And these kids deserve to play. And, and so I guess I, I feel terrible for them. But it just isn't in the cards this year. So I feel for the players. I feel for the coaches and administrators. And I obviously feel for the fans. I mean, look at our core. You and I are fans. Sure. We're all fans. We love the sport. Uh, we can still cover it objectively and, and, and be fans of college football, and, and I am. And I have been basically the entire portion of my life that I can remember. So it's hard, man. I mean, I, I really, really feel bad, but I think it's the right thing, and I hope that everyone rallies around the notion that it's the right thing, as difficult as it may be. 13 of the 14 Big Ten programs practiced on Monday. What does that tell us about the hard work put in by the coaches, the medical staffs, the trainers, and the discipline of the student-athletes that they had to show for a couple of months to get to that point? I think it speaks volumes. I know there were teams practicing yesterday, too, Yes, uh, as the announcement was going on. So I, I get it. I mean, you know, I think everyone gets it. I, I think it tells us they're dedicated to their craft. I think it tells us that they care deeply, um, you know, everything that everything positive that you could say. You know, the big thing I always say, Steve, is just how impressed I am with the people in this league, the quality of the people. And I think that's exemplified in the case that you gave there. These, these are people who care deeply about the sport, who want to participate. Like, I get it. Everyone gets it. I don't think there's anyone involved who doesn't wish that, this was a very different result. Nobody wants this. It's obviously financially incredibly damaging, but it's also, more importantly, it's it's what the universities rally around. It's the front porch of the university, as a lot of people like to say. It's, it's the most conspicuous part of these schools, and those fall Saturdays are special, and I'm, I'm going to miss them deeply. Uh, the American, the SEC, the Big 12 and the ACC still are on path to play. Now, I've taken this viewpoint of it, Dave. I hope they really succeed and it goes really well. And my reasoning is this. I think it would give confidence to the Big Ten. Okay, look, it can be done, and so let's do something in the spring. Do you align with that or have a different opinion? Oh, I absolutely hope that they can play. I mean, 100%. Yes. 
but I guess the, the issue to me is that kind of based on what I've been told and where we are right now, I think it's going to be difficult to do it. You know, Steve, to play right now and really to practice in a contact manner. Yep. And I think when you ask, okay, well, why did it get cut off yesterday? I think ultimately it got cut off yesterday because people weren't comfortable moving to contact. Because when you have contact, you need to contact trace. That's right. And they just don't feel confident in that ability to do that. And and also, when you move to that level of actually playing the game, you have to be 100% confident that the people that you're putting on the field don't have COVID. Right. And our testing just isn't at a place right now where we can do that. We don't have the tests where you can test everyone in the morning and say you can go out there and play in the afternoon. And that's the only way you really have certainty. So uh, I hope that they can do it. I would love to watch it as a fan. Yep. And I agree with you. I think it would give us certainly a far better chance of having Big Ten basketball and maybe having Big Ten football in the spring and all of those things that I passionately want to see. So, yeah, of course I'm rooting for them. But but from what I've been told, I think it's going to be a very difficult needle for them to thread. Right, and we're going to all find out together, you, me, and everybody else, as to whether the NFL can do it, as to whether the colleges can do it, and so forth. Ryan Day said today he's exploring ways to get his football team on the field as quickly as possible, including a spring season that begins he wants in early January and wraps up before the NFL draft in April. Any indication from the Big Ten about what they could be exploring as to when they'd like to start, how many games they'd like to play, when they might uh, be able to come forward with some sort of plan? Not really. I asked Commissioner Warren about that yesterday, and I think that was kind of step two, and he was still at step one. (laughs) So uh, in the people that I've talked to, you know, look, I think that's also going to be challenging. I think it has to be an abbreviated season yep. for a couple of reasons. I agree. The biggest one would be if you want to come back in the fall, you can't ask kids to play anything close to two full seasons in that time frame. Now, if you think about a team that wins the national championship or even plays in the national championship game, they play 15 games. Right. So could you play within your division and then play a moderately abbreviated fall season? I think you could. I don't think that's unreasonable. Could you go six and then 11? Right, like that's yeah. not that much more right. than fifteen right in a row. Right. So I don't think that's unreasonable. Could you? And if you wanted to do it, of course, doing it earlier. I think if you're going to do it earlier, maybe you explore trying to get teams in clusters around the several indoor stadiums that are in the Big Ten footprint. Particularly if you can't have home games anyway, uh, in terms of having fans, maybe you just do it that way and you play games on Friday and Saturday and Sunday. I don't think that's unreasonable to, to think that you could explore that. A lot of schools ha- are having remote learning options anyway, so maybe kids just say, all right, well, I'm just going to have to be remote. Um, or maybe you figure out a way by then for them to travel to these locales as a group after being on campus for most of the week. I don't think it's unreasonable to think we could get there in, in four or five months. I would love to see that. I'd love to see it for these players and coaches and fans. Because, you know, something that we all love, that they work so hard for, that we all look forward to, got taken away. And, and again, I think got taken away with good reason and with the best intentions. But if there's a way that we can kind of, 
I don't know, split the difference, for lack of a better way of putting it, then, then let's see if we can explore doing it. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely. Although when you asked the question, you had to ask it, and Kevin had, had to answer it. I thought you kind of felt like that scene in Apollo 13 where Tom Hanks looks at everybody's Jim Lovell and says, look, guys, there are 892 things that have to happen. We're up to number eight. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's about how it felt, uh, you know, going through that because you know, obviously you know everybody's just trying to work their way through it. Uh, what would your opinion be on programs having quote? We talk about spring football, fall football, so they can be ready for the spring. Oh, I absolutely think they should. I mean, one of the things that I think troubled me a little bit as people were talking about this was this notion of well, they're safer on campus, and now we're going to send them home. Why are we sending them home? Right. They're students. School's in session. Most of these schools are having students on campus. And, again, people say, well, how can you have students on campus but you can't play football? The students on campus aren't colliding with one another. <laughs> right, like, exactly. Come on. Right? Like, it is different. Yeah. It is a false equivalence to say that. Yeah. And it's disingenuous. And, and I hope that people will stop using that line of reasoning. It is different. Like, I have a daughter going to a Big Ten school this fall, and the parameters for what she can do do not involve colliding with other students, okay? (laughs) So, like, let's just drop that. Let's drop that notion. But they are students, and they can be there, and they should be there, and I absolutely believe they are safer and better off there than they are going home. And so anyone who wants to stay, I think, should be able to stay, and I absolutely think it's the intention of these schools to have them stay. And I can guarantee you in the, in the class that I teach, and I will, I will be teaching, at least I'll attempt to teach in person, there's no colliding. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, maybe they bump into each other in the door. That's about it. <laughs> right, right. That is, that is about it. Uh, so for, I mean, now for you guys, what areas do you and Howard and Jerry want to explore over the next few weeks, like questions that you have in your mind that as time goes, you'd like to see an answer here and an answer there? Oh, man, what a good question. I don't think we've really gotten there yet. I mean, I think for me, the big thing is I want to continue to tell this story for Big Ten fans. This story doesn't end when there isn't football. There's a million stories out there on Big Ten campuses that are going to unfold here in these next few weeks and months, and I hope that we can still figure out a way to tell them. Part of that would involve previewing you know, teams and, and kind of getting ready for hopefully for basketball season and maybe for this right. you know, winter slash, slash spring football season. But part of it would be telling the other stories of, of what's happening and how people are getting along without the game and the impact it's having on on student bodies and on communities and all that. And and so I, I think that becomes our goal is, is – no, I think we've done a great job. I'm really proud oh, of how relevant yes. we stayed yes. um, while there wasn't sports this spring. And, you know, we did an all-decade team for basketball and football that we were really proud of. Yep. We have more social media views than we have had in the previous year by far in that time frame. Um, our ratings were good. So, people, there's still an incredible thirst for this. And I think, look, this is where you're challenged. This is where you are challenged, too, right? I mean, what are you going to talk about when you can't talk about Penn State football? We're all in that same boat, and and it's painful, but, but people still love these sports and love these schools, and 
So that becomes that, that's when you know whether you're good at what you do is is can I can I continue to make it interesting in the absence of, of the biggest part of it? Obviously, this is a day-by-day basis, but Dan Gavitt so far has, has expressed confidence in trying to put a, a college basketball season together. They'll make some sort of decision, it sounds like, next month. Uh, it, the Big Ten, of course, has to make its own decision, but how important would it be for the Big Ten, in your opinion, that the NCAA from Indianapolis says, yeah, we think we're, it's go time for us? Well, Dan Gavitt's such an impressive guy, he as sure you know, is. and, yes. and there, there is this sense of why don't we have more centralized authority in college sports, and I, I think Dan Gavitt in a lot of ways provides that in, in college basketball. He really does. And so if Dan believes it can be done, I'm with him. Yes. I think everyone's going to have to work really hard. I think they're going to have to be creative. I think maybe there are some ways, again, to – can you cluster teams in certain areas? Again, particularly because we have a lot of remote learning. We have more time. Hopefully the testing will be better. I mean, I do think that's a huge thing. Like you have to know yeah. that people don't have this when they go on a field or on a court against one another. And that's why the bubbles work, because you can control it to the degree that you know. If you read about what's going on in the NBA bubble, I mean, you can't walk down the street without someone knowing, knowing that you're doing it. And that's the way it's going to have to be for now until we have really rapid testing that is available to everyone at the drop of a hat. So we need to figure out that part of it. But but I am optimistic that, that we can do it. Uh, one more question, and that deals the vaccines with flu vaccines, usually about 40 percent effective. If there is a vaccine, which they're talking about at this point, what kind of confidence would that give everybody just by the mere fact that they ha- would have one that appears to have the same effectiveness as an influenza vaccine? Well, I mean, I just know for me, like I'm a, I'm a pro-vaxxer, not an anti-vaxxer. Yep. So, uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, again, it, it's hard, right? Normally it takes four years for a vaccine sure. mm-hmm. to come out because you have to try to say okay what are the longer term ramifications but i guess i believe if if we have a vaccine that that is approved then i think that is goes a long way no doubt to making people feel more confident um you know we're already seeing better treatment uh we're already seeing uh you know some of the rates go down in terms of you know the percentage of people who are who are sick who die um so that's really encouraging right yeah. uh but but i think look i i do think one of the one of the big things was just myocarditis yes and so we'll have a better sense here mm-hmm. i mean i spoke with someone this weekend and they said that really makes it hard to have a path forward you know, i saw a report there were 10 in the big 10 um we certainly know of one that was very public I mean, look, when Hank Gathers died and when Reggie Lewis died, yes. myocarditis was mentioned in their autopsies. Yes. So if you have 10 cases of that in the Big Ten right now, you can't go forward. There is no path forward. Right. Right? Even if you tell me that, that 0.00004% or whatever it is of people that age group die, right? Like, that's right now, right? We're, 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 what happens when they go back and play and mm-hmm. they have this, this heart ailment we, can't, we haven't detected? Like, so I just think... Let's see where we are. Let's see what we learn in this time period, and let's keep our fingers crossed. Well, here's let's raise our glasses to an Easter Rose Bowl. All right. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Dave, it's always a pleasure. Uh, I I thought in a lot of great moments in your career, I thought yesterday nobody could have uh, handled it any better than you did. Great job. 
very, very nice of you to say. Thank you. I wish I didn't have to report it. I know. It is what it is. Same here, All right, my, my friend. friend. Thanks, Dave. Okay. Yep. Okay, Steve. Dave Refson, BTN, back with more in a moment. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors on News Radio 1070 WKOK. There's still a lot of summer left, but time is running out to save on a new Kia from Sunbury Motors Kia. It's the Summer Sticker Sales Event at Sunbury Motors Kia. But you have to hurry in before these deals fade away like the summer sun. Sunbury Motors Kia offers you the low price promise on every new Kia on the lot. Just listen. 2020 Kia Serenos with up to $7,200 off as low as $23,998. 2020 Kia Sportages with up to four grand off starting at just $22,793. Plus, Sunbury Motors Kia will give you top trading value for your current vehicle. Bring your trade, look for a sticker, and save. Remember, every new Kia comes with a 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty. The Summer Sticker Sales Event at Sunbury Motors Kia on the Strip in Hummel's Wharf. Savings include all applicable discounts and rebates, including Sunbury Motors Kia discount. Warranty is a limited powertrain warranty. For details, to dealer or go to Kia.com. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. So, Matt, let me ask you, I mean, do you sit here and you say, great to have you with us on News Radio 1070 WKOK, the home of the Sioux? Or on News Radio 1070 WKOK, the home every Friday of the King? I would go with B. Sounds like the more popular choice. Well, that's what the people want. We're here for the people. Uh, the people want that. I mean, it's like it's like choosing between a nice cold drink with no problems versus having a root canal. (laughs) No? Yeah? (laughs) You people are the worst. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great new product lines. Tremendous pre-owned inventory. Super stale staff, great deals, fabulous service department for the life of that vehicle. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. All right. So, talked about not playing. I think that when you look at playing in the spring semester. Don't don't bother calling it spring football. You're playing in the spring semester. Maybe you start to ramp up your preseason practice. You know, you go through a fall practice in October, allow them 15 practices over 30 days. Take November off for conditioning. December, conditioning, you've got finals, then come out of finals, then you start ramping up for the preseason, and by the third week of January, 
or in the NFL's open week between the AFC-NFC championship games and the Super Bowl, you play. Then you play again the Saturday before the Super Bowl. And then incorporate a bye week in case you need it. Or you know, or just keep, or do what they did with the ten game schedule. So you got last week of January, which is open. The NFL's not playing. It would fill a tremendous void. The ratings would be incredible. This is again if you can do all this safely. Then you play the Saturday before the Super Bowl. Man, it's going to be that. That's going to be big. Saturday after the Super Bowl. Saturday of the Daytona, which I think is the Daytona Five Hundred. And Saturday, you know, Saturday after, so you got 28th, Super Bowl, post-Super Bowl, boom, boom. So now you've got five games in by the end of February. Take a break. A week. Then play the second week of March, third week of March, fourth week of March. Now you're at eight games. Get that ninth game in in April and you can play that on a Sunday if you want if you want to if you don't want to collide with the final four if the final four is then if the final four is pushed back then you can play then take a week off then play mid-April and then right around where the blue-white game would be you play the Big Ten championship game and if the Pac-12 is playing and things are better then set up a series of what you'd call bowl games between Big Ten, Pac-12. Right now, 59% of the schools of the in FBS are scheduled to play. 41% have opted out. All right. Let's talk about the NFL now. Let's bring in the outstanding Neil Kulong. My friend, always a pleasure. Great to have you with us. As usual, it's great to be here. I'm glad I don't have to make anything positive out of the Pirates, that's for sure. <laughs> Imagine you're sitting there, Ben Sherrington. My first thought would be at least nobody's watching. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Truth. Oh, my goodness. All right. So the Steelers have gone through camp to this point. Anything noteworthy about this camp? And also, do they have anybody on the COVID list right now uh, through the first, oh, it's almost two weeks now. Yeah, James Washington was the name to watch on the COVID list, and, and he got off it a couple of days ago. And then uh, Justin Lane uh, was added to the roster um, off the COVID list earlier today. I I think – I want to say that there's one or two people that are still on it, but I really don't remember who they are off the top of my head, uh, which probably suggests the value of those players uh, to this point in camp. I mean, the, the value, sure. I think, of, of this training camp um, not playing preseason games. They're not in contact for nearly as much time as they've been in contact uh, in past training camps. Uh, we're not going to really hear anything about injuries. All we're going to hear about is the COVID list. And if there are only one or two people on it, none of which I can really think of uh, off the top of my head right now, you got to think this is from a health perspective and kind of ironically that the healthiest camp the Steelers have ever had. I mean, it, it's not an issue of having eight, nine guys out with uh, various, you know, football-related injuries, as Mike Tomlin would say. 
um, you, you have to think with that they're getting some work in, but without access um, to, to see what they're doing, we really have nothing to go on. And it really feels like it hasn't even really started. This isn't even mini camp right now. It's, right. it's a lot of football in shorts, yep. and it's a lot of football that nobody can see. So, Which, bring, um, which brings it, me it, to the next benchmark, which is Monday. That's when they can hit for the first time. Yeah, yeah, it, theoretically. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm not counting on anything uh, for, for the remainder of the year. Um, you, you hope that that streak would continue, and you hope that uh, with some access we can get a better idea of what the team is trying to do uh, right now, though, it's a lot of it. I think is is uh, what we thought of it back in May. Uh, we, you, you've got a bunch of rookies coming in. You've got unsigned guys coming in. There are free agent signings. We're not sure how they're being utilized. We're not sure what anyone is saying about really anybody else. Um, it, not to, to the team's credit. I mean, they they are putting uh, some people out there, including coaches. Uh, to speak to the media and and there are you know opportunities to ask questions it's just you you don't get nearly as much information in them as you used to um the questions come a lot slower you're only getting five six seven questions in whereas before especially with an assistant coach you'd probably get at least twice that with a little bit more time um to to have them respond it's just it, it takes a lot longer to do it the way that they're doing it and that's you know them's the breaks that that's just kind of how this is going to go um, more than anything, it, it's just kind of a question what they're doing, how they're going to do it. Uh, year to year, teams are always putting in different elements uh, offensively, defensively. Um, you don't get a chance to see how the rookies are being used, uh, how they're you know seeming to react uh, in drills that they're in. It's just, there's a lot of, of uh, stuff that's up in the air. And with that, I don't know what's going to happen on, on um, September 14th for the Steelers, September 13th for most of the rest of the league. Uh, when it all starts, but I, I think this is going to be one of the more fascinating seasons in many years for a, a lot of different reasons. We're going to know far less about it going into it than we think we do. Which then brings me to this, um, the April 17th date. I believe that is not a new date that was put out with COVID. It was actually the date that's in the new CBA. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 they had to iron out, I think, a lot of different things, but it, it's probably a compromise date more than anything else with some data behind it. Yeah. Uh, so that that's what I was looking at, that the NFL is going to do. This. I still, you know, I think part of the decisions that we're seeing, let's say the SEC and the ACC, I think a lot of it has to do with, with uh, and I if I'm sitting in the room and they ask me, where they look over and they say, hey, look, uh, we're university presidents with doctor in front of us. You're the dumb guy. <laughs> Hi there. <laughs> so let's ask the dumb guy what he thinks. I mean, I'd like to see the NFL play first anyway. In other words, let's see how it goes because they're on track to playing. It really makes the most sense that way. I mean, it, it's they have the, the longest runway even if it was a matter of probably just a couple weeks and not really much of a difference between college and the pros. But I, I would say this, let the pros do it because the pros are the ones being paid. You know, it, it, it would make more sense from a college perspective to see um, a, a, a similar sport um, ironing out a lot of the, of the difficulties right away. And you're doing it with the guys that have contracts. Uh, they are unionized. They have the ability to yeah. kind of feel out the road, see how things are going to work. Uh, with that in mind, I, I, I think college can be a little bit more flexible 
in terms of how they want to approach this. And they can force the NFL to kind of bend and flex around them a little bit. If you were to have a spring season, and, and there are a trillion and a half different complications that come with this, and I, I just to, to dispel the narrative a little bit that college didn't do anything and they had all this time to figure it out, it's not nearly as simple in college considering mm-hmm. how widespread it is and, and not unified the whole thing is. It, it, they, they could sit and talk for 10 hours a day for four months and not come up with anything that's going to work because, frankly, we don't have any precedent for any of this. We don't right. know how this is going to work. It, it, it's, it's really hard uh, when you're facing a lawsuit of, of mammoth proportions for the wrong decision to sit there and say this is something we can do without question. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have made more sense to, to let the NFL test it out to see procedurally how they're handling right. things, how they're handling quarantining players, how they're handling, um, you know, just the, the protocol to, to keep everything clean, uh, to have guys treated, which is something you've got to be, you know, in, in very close proximity to a lot of people. There are a lot of things that are, are going to have to be challenged, and somebody's going to have to be the guinea pig. Um, I think the NFL, to some degree, used a little bit of what baseball did, what hockey did, what uh, basketball did, not the same, uh, to get ready for what they're doing. And the, I don't know. I, I don't want to say that it's not an issue with the NFL. I think, though, there's a lot that we don't know about. And I'm not suggesting there is anything wrong. But for all we know, right now, there, there could be half the league with torn ACLs, and we don't know about it. So it, it, it will. I think history will show how all this really worked. And there aren't easy decisions. There aren't simple solutions to anything. There are two sides that are, are staunch in their positions. And we're going to have to wait and see how um, the, the you know public sentiment, I think, really moves one way or another with all of it. I think what it, the initial history, and now we have a few months of it, this is what the pattern I've noticed. Uh, PGA Tour, obviously a different kind of sport, but the first two weekends they had some positives, haven't had any since early. Uh, college football, we've seen some early on positives and some uh, pauses, but things have been able to get back on track. Uh, baseball had the Marlins early. They've tested negative since. The Cardinals are still an issue. The other 28 have had no problem. Uh, the NHL had problem the first, what, week, like especially Tampa Bay when they were practicing their own city, then Everybody else kept going. They haven't had a problem since. It seems like all the problems have been early, and then people have figured out how through protocols to at least manage problems. I mean, to me, that's the history I've seen so far. Yeah, I, I think that makes the most sense. We also look at it, what, what stands out to me in the examples that you use is these are isolated incidents. Yes. Um, the Cardinals had multiple series before uh, the, the issues that they had, most notably for me, was they, they had a series against the Twins. Yes. And a, a series I watched, nothing happened to the Twins. So right. you look at it like that, it, it's kind of you know suggestive that choices that they're making off the field are, are kind of what's bringing this in. Yes. And if they have to stop a team, then they'll stop a team. The Cardinals only played, what, like five games this year or something? Right. I, mean, I don't right. know how that's right. going to work out, but it, it's, I don't think anybody expects any of this to be regular or normal, um, but I, I think to some degree they are able to play through a lot of the issues that they have if everybody is following the protocols that they've agreed on following. And we, we see examples where the logical explanation here is that this team didn't do the things they were supposed to do or players on this team didn't do the things they were supposed to do. So 
um, you know, you're, you're kind of getting what you pay for in that situation, right? I mean, it, it, you, you can't really describe it any other way. Uh, but they obviously were quick to contain it, and now we can see that those protocols logically must have worked uh, and, and should be able to be applied elsewhere. So I, I think that that gives you some sense of optimism. Um, but it, the, the real challenging thing is we're not looking at a, a, a grand display of anything. We're looking at probably two players that went out and came back. Yeah. And it's going to spread um, if, if that's the case. It's really, really hard to, to get 100% adherence on something like that. And I, I think that's going to be the challenge for everybody, especially in a football environment, uh, you know, largely at the NFL, but even more so in college. When you've got 105 mm. guys on your team that are going to be around, it's going to be hard to keep everybody in place. I mean, I don't know about you. I, I snuck out. I broke curfew. I did I stuff like that. Um, you, you can see people doing that. And I, I, you know, for better or worse, I think that's what's going to happen. But I don't think from what we've seen to this point, we should expect a, a massive outbreak throughout the entire league. I think, right. you know, if, if we ruin the integrity of a season because a team can't play a game or two in the NFL – that's that's you know destructive in baseball you can get away with it three or four games um cardinals are probably sunk but overall you you can probably miss a little bit here and there in the nfl though um you know two games is is massive and you can't miss any baseball they're going to miss a few every year that happens all the time um the nfl isn't built for that so they've got to be even better with more people i I think that's going to be a challenge uh but one that we really can't excuse everybody knows what's going on we know what the issues are and they've set all this up as a mutually agreed upon uh, set of rules. There, there's no excuse for players not following those protocols. 66 NFL players at this point have opted out. Uh, and not all of them are for health, but 66 have opted out. But the Steelers don't have any. Um, what was your thought process on the fact the Steelers don't have any? And <laughs> is there anything in there? The fact that none of them opted out. I I don't think there is. Um, I mean, three teams. I, I who was it? it? The Dolphins, I think. Yeah. And um, maybe it's the Falcons. That comes off my head for some reason, but it. it, it I think that's completely coincidental. Uh, the the yeah. reasons for somebody opting out are their own reasons. It's all. Per- it's, it's not all, a team unity right. kind of thing. It's it's all it's um, all personal. I just thought thought it was interesting. The Steelers just didn't have any. You know? It is, yeah. And I, I, my thought was, and you and I talked about this, my thought was overall I bet we see an average of maybe about three a team uh, that would opt out. And I don't right. consider that to be a, a, a significantly large number. And we're under that even, um, with the exception of the Patriots, that half their team opted out for, I'm sure, totally pure and, and you know, ethical reasons. Nobody else really had a. You all right? (laughs) Maybe we should edit that part out. I don't think anybody had a. a, You know, I I don't think anybody would have gone as far as to say, um, "You should be doing this for us, your teammates, for your brothers." I I don't think any of that junk was used. And at the same time, I think there are a lot of people that were on the fence about it, and they they considered it. Uh, but this is a lot like the discussions regarding the, the building of the collective bargaining agreement as far as the players are concerned. You have a, a massive disparity from the bottom to the top. And the reasons for those at the top uh, wanting or not wanting a CBA to be signed are going to be completely different from the guys at the bottom. So I, I think this is very similar. You have guys with 
four kids. Some of them might have health concerns. That's right. They're going to think a lot differently than the rookie who's just coming into the league. You know, and, and that's that's understandable why they they would be in that position. So I get overall why a guy wouldn't want to play, um, especially for now, not knowing everything that's going on. Everything is completely up in the air. Um, somebody who's established, they know what they have uh, going for them. They have a family. They might think about that differently. So, um, you know, if, if you happen to have guys that might also have, um, you know, medical conditions that have nothing to do with them playing football, but this mm-hmm. would be uh, a much riskier situation for them, that's not something that you're, you know, drafting or signing a guy because right. of or, or in spite of. So, it, it, overall, I, I think I saw probably a little bit fewer overall players opt out than I thought they would, but it, it isn't as big an issue as we thought that it would be either. Um, who's who's even the biggest name to opt out? I mean, the the one, um, uh, the the Tre'Davious White was was thinking about it publicly. He mentioned he was thinking about it, but I, we didn't see anybody significant. And that sounds bad. But I just mean a uh, high mean. level, well known, highly paid player. Um, we know who the guys are that did it. All of them seem to have you know a, 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 an understandable reason why yes, they, they made the choice that they made. Absolutely no. There's no. There's no name that the casual fan would go. Oh, I mean the diehard knows exactly who all 66 are, but the casual fan is the one you, that you look at. So what is the name of the dog, by the way? Uh, Ogie. Ogie He's named Ogie. Ogie Oglethorpe. Uh, Ogie Oglethorpe, who made it on the show here. So Ogie. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually amazed. That's the first time you've heard him because we've mm-hmm. we've run into the situation a couple times. He's, he does not take too well to people walking outside. Ogie. That's his domain. Ogie, sit. He's looking at you. Ogie, He's sit. Sitting, actually. There you go. See, Ogie. look. Sit. <laughs> oh, now, he's, now he's going to protect his food because people are outside. Therefore, they're going to break in here and steal nothing and do nothing but take his food. That's the, that's the dog mentality. <laughs> very, very possessive. Very possessive. <laughs> I work with several people in the building like that. All right. It's so <laughs> my food, man. My friend? Marked in the fridge. It's mine. <laughs> My friend and Ogie, thanks for being with us. <laughs> Definitely. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> Wrap it up in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. All right. Great to have you with us. Our thanks today to Dave Refson for joining us on the show from BTN. Neil Riddell, Altoona Mirror, Neil Kulong on the Steelers. More coming up tomorrow, and yes, the King is here Friday. We get more calls on the King than we do anything else. These are calls disguised as, I have a series of questions, then at the end you hear about the King. It's the way it is, Matt. How about that? It's, it's, a, it's his world, and we're living in it. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com.